How's everybody? Who's ready for turkey leftovers? All right. My son got challenged uh, about, I think, Friday night. You know, it was round number three of turkeys. Like, I can't do the same thing over and over again. I said, son, we've been in Exodus all this time. All this complaining about manna. Exodus, the God who rescues. And today we want to talk about God's presence. And it's kind of bittersweet as we wrap up the book of Exodus this morning. Uh, I'll be honest with you, I believe that the Word of God is rich and it's beautiful and it's alive. And I pray that as you've been listening to the Word of God and the Spirit of God has been working, uh, that the Word of God has come alive for you throughout the book of Exodus. Um, if you've missed any of these or if this is your first time with us and you'd like to catch up and uh, listen to all of these, we'd encourage you to do so, not because we want you to hear our voice, but we want you to hear the voice and the Word of God. So today, God's presence. So I'm having a bedtime conversation with my oldest son. This is a few years ago. He was five at the time. Parents, don't you love bedtime conversations? In our home, uh, they're normally pretty cool uh, conversation. Five years old. And he poses this question. Hey, Dad, where do people go when they die if they don't believe in Jesus? That's a pretty deep question, isn't it? I paused. I gathered my thoughts. And I said, well, son, if a person doesn't believe in Jesus, they go to hell. And I took a moment to describe the terrible place that hell is. And then I followed it up with this last statement and said they're separated from God forever. My son paused. Again, he's five. He paused. And he looks back at me and in a very um, emphatic, just matter-of-fact way, he looks at me and he says, that's impossible. I'm a pastor I believe in the Bible, I believe in heaven, I believe in Jesus, I also believe in hell. And for a moment, I'm just like, what's going on? My five-year-old refuses to believe that hell is real, right? So I'm, all this is going on in my head. And I'm like, God, give me wisdom. I need a good answer for my son who just said what I said is impossible. And so after a moment of thinking, I said, well, son, what do you mean that's impossible? And here's what he said. He said, well, if God is everywhere all the time, how could somebody go to where God isn't? He zoned in on the part that I said they're separated from God forever. The idea of hell didn't face him. The idea of being absent from the presence of God is what he struggled with. So again, I'm like, God, I need some serious wisdom here. And so here's what I told him. I said, that's a really good question. I also was honest and said, I've never really thought about it that way. But I said, you believe that God is present everywhere at all the time? And he said, yes, he has a very deep understanding at the age of five of the omnipresence of God, that God is always present and he's ever present. And I said, do you also believe that God can do absolutely anything? anything? And he said, yes. And I said, well, I believe that God is powerful and miraculous enough that he can be present everywhere at all times and also cause people 
to not cause people to not know that he is present. He looked at me and he said, I guess that's possible. I definitely don't want people to go there. Good night, Dad. (laughs) Do you see what my son was wrestling with in that moment? It was the absence of God. The idea of the absence of God is a terrible, terrible thought. But the presence of God, oh man, it is powerful. I have experienced the presence of God. I know many of you in this room would say, me too. And if you've experienced the presence of God, you would say it's incredible that it's life-changing, that it's incredibly indescribable. So what I want you to grasp this morning is that the presence of God is available. The presence of God is available. This is good, good news. To know that you and I, human beings, can enter into and experience the very presence of God and that it is available. But listen to me, God's presence is available on his terms. And this is where some people just back up and say, yep, well then I'm out. Because God has terms on how we can and how we could and how we should approach him. So the presence of God is available, but it's on his terms. But let's face it, if the presence of God is not available, then why do the whole church thing? I mean, what's the point of Christianity, after all, if God's presence is not available? As you read the latter part of the book of Exodus that we have been in, um, you begin to realize how hard it is to be in the presence of God. There's these rules. It began with the Ten Commandments. We've unpacked those some, and we uh, began to realize that there's way more than ten. The rules go on to be expounded upon in the book of Exodus, into protocols and into procedures. Um, We are not going to have time to read all through it, but the latter part of the book of Exodus, the majority of it is all of this rule, all of these rules and all of these ways that they had to follow to build this, this tent, this tabernacle in which God's presence was going to dwell and in which the people of God would come to worship, to experience God's presence, and to offer sacrifices. I mean, if you read the last few chapters of Exodus, your mind's just like, whoa, this is a lot of detail. Whoa, this is really hard. How do I do that? And we haven't even gotten over into the book of Leviticus that gives you rule after rule after rule after rule as to how you are supposed to dress, prepare yourself, cleanse yourself, pick the right animal, sacrifice it at just the right time in just the right way to experience God's presence. I mean, how hard is it to get to God? Way hard. Way hard. In fact, the people of Israel, the people of Exodus, the story of God's people, it was so hard that we see them many times just saying, you know what, I want to quit. I want to be done. And I would suggest to you that there's a lot of people in the same frame of mind today. Maybe you're even here today. And you're like, man, it is too hard to get to God. And so I'm done. I'm out. I'm quitting. The people of the book of Exodus, the people of God, as they were 
getting this opportunity to enter into the presence of God, they took so many opportunities to bail out. Think about how much they complained. I mean, over and over and over again. Now, while they're in slavery in Egypt, you can kind of understand their complaints a little bit, um, maybe a lot, as they were beaten and as they were forced to work and to labor um, and just to just be treated like dogs. They complained, they complained, they complained, they complained, God, why won't you get us out of here? God, if you're real, get us out of here. God, if you're real, get us out of here. And then what does God do? God gets them out of there. Then what do the people of Israel do? They complain and they complain and they complain. They just kept complaining. They complained when they had food. They complained when they didn't have food. They complained about everything. They got impatient. Anybody else resonate with that one just a little bit? Uh, They got impatient. It's one thing to get impatient with people. It's another thing to get impatient with God, and that's where a lot of us are today. We're impatient with God. He's not functioning on our timetable. But they, com- they complained and they got impatient. In fact, a couple of few weeks went by. Moses had kind of gotten out of their camp up onto the mountain to have some time in the presence of God. They got so impatient, they took their earrings off, threw them in the fire, melted them down, and formed them into a golden calf, and then bowed down and worshipped that calf rather than the God who rescued them out of their slavery. I don't know if you're thinking what I'm thinking, but as I step back here and I read the book of Exodus and I see the behavior of the people of Israel and I think about the chances of them getting into the presence of God based on their behavior, I'm thinking there's a chance of slim to none. I mean, they're just all over the place doing their own thing. Yet look at what God says in Exodus chapter 29 and verse 45. God makes a promise to people, in particular his people. Exodus 29 and verse 45. He says, Then I will live among the people of Israel and be their God. Don't miss what we just read. I will live among the people. Do you know what God just promised? God promised his presence to his people. This is an amazing, huge promise for them. It's an amazing, huge promise for us that God would promise his presence. This is who God is. He's a relational God. He wants to interact with the people that he created. It's how it all started out. Adam and Eve in the garden. You see God every single day coming to visit them in the cool of the morning because God didn't have anything else to do. No, because God wanted to have relationship with the very people that he created. So he walked with them and he talked with them every single day. But then Adam and Eve began to believe a lie. They began to believe this lie that, man, maybe there's something else out there that's better than God. Maybe there's something else out there that's greater than walking and talking with God. And so they bought into the lie. They disobeyed the one rule that God gave them. And in so doing, God responded by initiating the act and the process and the beautiful story that we know now as redemption, so that he could get Adam and Eve back, so that he could get me and you back, because we're far, far away from God because of our sin, just like Adam and Eve ended up far, far from God 
because of their sin. You see, God doesn't want people, doesn't want you, doesn't want me, doesn't want I, uh, myself to experience his absence. The thought for God that we would experience his absence is not what he wants for us. God wants his people. He wants people like you and I to experience his presence. And this whole story that we've been reading in the book of Exodus, it's proof that God wants people to experience his presence. It's the reason he rescued the people of Israel so they could experience his presence. He shows up to rescue them, yes. To bring them out of slavery, yes. To take them to a better place, yes. But it's greater than that. The real core reason why God freed the people of Israel is so they could experience his presence. Some people think, well, man, God just has rules so that I'll miss out on the fun in life. You're missing the point entirely. You need to get your eyes off the rules for just a moment, and you need to get your eyes on the redemption that God offers. God wants you to experience his presence. He wants you to experience himself. Look now at the last chapter in the book of Exodus. Exodus chapter 40, near to the last verse, verse 34. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34. After they were given all these instructions on building this tabernacle, this tent, um, on how to build it and when to build it and which direction, and all, I mean, just rules, I mean, all these details. They fulfilled them. They, they did everything God asked them to do so that he could usher in his presence. And look what happens in Exodus chapter 40 and verse 34. Then the cloud covered the tabernacle. If you'll remember for just a minute, or let me bring you up to speed, the cloud in the story of the Exodus was representative of God's presence. It was a cloud by day, it was a pillar of fire by night, and that cloud was God's presence, that pillar of fire was God's presence. And notice what happens in verse 34. Then the cloud, God's presence, covered the tabernacle, and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. God has brought to his people the very thing he wanted to bring to them so that they could experience the very thing he wanted them to experience, which was his presence. The people, the very people, many of them which were a part of the whole craziness of bowing down to a golden calf instead of God, because of God's goodness, got to experience the presence of God. Because they were good? No. Because they deserved it? No. Because they earned it? No. Because he wanted them to experience him. God, listen to me, he was their promised land. He was what they really desperately needed and longed for. He was their treasure. He was their prize. You see, I think we all long for freedom. I think every single one of us, and we, 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 we desire this. And I think all of us know what it's like to wander around in the desert day after day, month after month, for some of us year after year, for some of us decade after decade, to wander around 
in the desert, who wander around completely missing the presence and the power of God in our lives. We all have situations in our life that demand, notice that word, demand our attention. When something demands something of you, guess what? It has dominion over you. And some of us have things in our lives that demand things of us. And we're under its control and we're under its power and it can take on many different forms. Some in this room have potentially had or have an enslaving addiction. And that can be an addiction to all kinds of things. But it's got control over you. It dominates you. It makes demands of you. You're not making your own choices. You are doing whatever it leads you and causes you to do. And yet you long for freedom. Some of you are potentially enslaved by fear. You are stuck right now wherever you are because you're afraid to move to the left or move to the right. Maybe it's because you got hurt before. Maybe it's because you failed before. But fear dominates you and you are not doing what God intended and created you to do because you're filled with fear right now. Some of you potentially are in a marriage that's in crisis right now. And your world is falling apart around you and you don't know what to do and you're completely stuck. Some of you are potentially feeling the demands that are upon you because of a health issue. A problem that just overwhelms you right now. Some of you are overwhelmed with demands that are the result of money problems. Now, you've got to understand that some people have money problems because they don't have enough money. A lot of people have money problems because they didn't do what they should have done with the money they've been blessed with. And I would venture to say that if you've got money problems, that's probably where most of you land this morning, most of you. And as a result, you're enslaved to making this payment, or let's put an S on that, payments, right? And you're enslaved by that right now, and you're wandering around. Some of us are just overwhelmed with the demands of an unfulfilled longing. There's something in us and we're wanting something and we're not really sure what it is. But all of us potentially know what it's like to wander around in the wilderness. And let me tell you what every single one of us are longing for and desiring. We're desiring home. We're desiring to feel at peace in the very presence of God. That is that nagging longing within each and every one of us. Heaven is the true home of every Christian. But what do you think awaits you in heaven? I want to pose a question to you. I want you to put some deep thought to this. John Piper worded it, and I'm going to use what he gave us. And here's what it says. Would you, and I think it's going to come on the screen, would you be satisfied to go to heaven? Listen to me. Have everybody there in your family that you want there. That's a pretty important stipulation, isn't it? Everybody that you want there. Anybody hang around anybody you didn't want to this week because it was family time? Am I the only one? Family's challenging, right? People are challenging. You know what they say. Life would be really easy if it weren't for the people. All right? But you got to pick. Have all the health and restoration of your prime. You remember that moment when you were like at your best physically, mentally, just sharp. 
and everything you disliked about yourself fixed. Oh, that sounds pretty good, right? You've got a list, don't you? Oh, I would change this, and I would change that. There's a couple of you in this room that would be like, I wouldn't change a thing. You might be that person that got left off the list a minute ago. Are you following me here? Have every, recre- every recreation you every, ever dreamed of available to you and have infinite resources of money to spend, would you be satisfied? And let's finish the question. Let's add to it. If God wasn't there. But that's where some of us are in life. We think, well, if I could have just that list, then everything would be great. And yet many of us are missing the very presence of God. And we get what we're wanting. We get what we're longing for. And yet we're still longing. We're still missing. We're still have this angst in us. You see, heaven is about the very presence of God. And God doesn't want us to have to wait till the end of this life, in the afterlife, to experience his presence. He wants it for us now. I want to give you a list to you. They're going to come on the screen. just want to just give them to you. Listen, we don't just get peace from God. God is our peace. We don't just get our joy from God. God is our joy. We don't just get hope from God. He is our hope. We don't just get our provision from God. He is our provision. We don't just get To our destination because of God, God is our destination. We don't just get our reward from God. He is our reward. He says, I want to be with you. I want you to have me. So as we come kind of to the end, as far as the unpacking and the studying of the book of Exodus, you've got to understand the story of God and people and his people. It doesn't come to an end. There's so much more to the story. And we, we are blessed. We're not wandering around in the desert right now eating manna every day and wondering where the water is going to come from. We're blessed. We get to read about that and learn from that. And we also get to see the rest of the story begin to fully unfold for us. Because as the story of God continues to unfold, you go on through the Old Testament. Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Numbers, Ruth. The stories continue to unfold. And then all of a sudden you come to this place in the Old Testament called Malachi. And it's the end of what we know as the Old Testament, the Old Covenant. And then begins this next part of the story. It's called the New Testament. And it's where God takes everything to a whole nother level. He says, you know what, I'm not just going to be a cloud this time. I'm not just going to be a pillar of fire this time. I want to be in your presence. And so God does something that is just beyond me to understand, and God decides to come here in the flesh, Jesus, God's one and only Son, God in the flesh. He wants to be in our presence so bad, he becomes one of us. And then he takes it further, and this is the part that I just cannot 
comprehend. I believe it, but I cannot comprehend it. Jesus, human being just like you and I, God in the flesh, living perfectly, and then he chooses, willingly accepts to become, listen to me, to become sin for us. Do you understand that's what happened to Jesus on the cross? He became sin for us. What do you mean by sin? All the bad things that you've done. Yes, you. All the bad things that you've done, the things that you don't want to think about this morning, you hope nobody else knows about, you hope nobody else ever finds about, he became all of that for you. And the Word of God goes on to declare that when Jesus died on the cross, becoming sin for us, that he nailed our sins to the cross, himself becoming sin for us. Why would he do that? Because he wants to be in our presence and he wants us to be in his presence. And if you think it's impossible to get to God with all the rules, you're exactly correct. You cannot keep enough rules to experience the presence of God. Only through the redemption of God, which has been the purpose and plan of God all along for people through Jesus Christ, his son, becoming sin for us, dying on the cross, coming back from the dead. Can you and I, could they experience the presence of God? They looked forward to a redeemer in the book of Exodus. We look back to a redeemer now today, and his name is Jesus, and he offers his very presence to us. He offers his very presence to us because we deserve it? No, because he wants to be with us. In fact, he declared that he dwelt there in the tabernacle in the Exodus time. He declares now, listen to me, he declares now that when we believe in him and receive his presence, that he doesn't move into a building now. He moves into us. We are the tabernacle of God today as believers. If you are someone that has understood your sin, has confessed it before God, asking him to forgive you of it through Jesus Christ, listen to me, God lives in you. The very presence of God with us all the time, everywhere. Oh, the scripture gives us such hope of God's presence and deliverance. I want to give you a few scriptures, and they're going to come on the screen. I'm going to read them uh, fairly quickly, but I want to unpack them just a little bit. Um, They're going to come from different translations. The first one comes from Psalm 46 and verse 1. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, Though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains terrible, tremble at its swelling. Psalm 34, verse 18 and 19. The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. Oh, take hope in that person this morning with a broken heart. The word of God just declared the heart of God. And he said, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. If your heart is broken right now, God is whispering in your ear, I'm here. And save such as have a contrite spirit. 
that contrite spirit begins to speak about um, our attitude about our life and our attitude about our sin, that we're repentant, that we don't want it anymore. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. If you are stuck in your sin right now, God has just promised and declared to you that he wants your wants you to be in his presence so bad that he's willing to forgive you. Psalm 100, verse 2 through verse 5. Serve the Lord with gladness. Everybody smile for me for just a moment. Fake it if you have to. All right. Serve the Lord with gladness. Do you realize that when we come together in God's presence, man, we just ought to do it with gladness. Do you realize that he lives inside of you? And then when you're not with other believers, you're still in the presence of God. Ooh, convicting, right? Serve the Lord with gladness. Oh, that God would help my heart to do that. Come before his presence with singing. So it's not Keaton's idea that you sing. It's God's idea that you sing. Thank you for singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is what? Good. His mercy is everlasting and his truth endures to all generations. Hebrews 13, 5 through 6. Put your seatbelt on. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I'll have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Matthew 18 and verse 20. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. God is here today. I come together in the name of Jesus. Anybody else with me? You come together in the name of Jesus today? Anybody? I don't do this very often, but turn and talk to your neighbor and just tell him, God's here. Just go ahead and tell him. I turn back to him, tell him, don't miss him. You got to understand, we showed up today not because there were, was good singing, and there was. We showed up today not because there was good preaching, and that's probably true. Listen, people of God, we showed up today because of the presence of God. Do not miss it. Do you know what confidence this gives me as a pastor? I can lay an absolute egg, and I do. And yet, because of the promise of God, I can know that we're in the very presence of God, and God's going to do what God wants to do regardless of what I do. So today, don't miss the very presence of God. Oh, it's amazing. 1 Corinthians six nineteen. Oh, there's some people in the room that need to hear this. Don't you realize that your body, I know this is kind of weird, but just take just a moment. Just go over to your arm and do a little pinch. Just a little, don't have to hurt, just, just pinch. Okay, that's what we're talking about, your body. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? Doesn't that make me think about what I put on my body, what I put in my body, and what I do with my body? My body is the temple 
the house, the home of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God. And notice the question mark. He's like, don't you realize that? You do not belong to yourself. Proverbs 15.3. Depending on what you got going on in your life right now, this is going to strike you differently. The eyes of the Lord are in every place. Some of you are like, amen, hallelujah. And some of you are like, ooh. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. Isaiah 55, 6 and 7. Seek the Lord while he may be found. I'm going to repeat that. Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord that he may have compassion on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. For some of you, that's the exact reason why you're here today. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God, for he will forgive generously. That's you. You're far away from God. And God's like, my presence is available. I want you so bad. Come, come now. Don't miss this opportunity. Repent of your sin and turn to me. Believe in my son, Jesus His death, his burial, and his resurrection. God's presence is available on his terms. What are the terms of God? Keep all the rules and you'll be in. You've already broken the rules. No chance. No way. God's terms are admit you've broken the rules. Believe in my perfect son, Jesus. Be forgiven and forever changed and experience my presence for eternity. God's presence is powerful. God's absence is a terrible thing. Thank God for Jesus who did this whole perfection and sacrifice thing in our place for me and for you so that we might enter into and dwell in his presence. I've got one thing I want you to consider as we wrap this up this morning. It's the next step. It's on the backside of your communication card, and it's going to be on the screen. God, you will be mine, and fill in the blank. You will be my what this week? I don't know what you need God to be for you right now, but you've got to understand that he has what you need. He has what you're longing for because he is who and what you are longing for. Maybe right now you need peace. Allow him to be your peace. Maybe right now you need hope. Let him be your hope. Maybe you need healing. Let him be your healing. Turn to God and trust him and allow him to be your God. In just a moment, we're going to bow and we're going to pray and we're going to wrap this time up together. And after this time of a quick prayer, uh, we want to give you opportunity to respond to the living God this morning. He is here. He is with us. He is ready for you to acknowledge and to enter into his 
presence with thanksgiving. For some of you, maybe you need to enter into his presence with sorrow today so he can turn it into gladness. Maybe some of you need to come into his presence today with repentance so that you can be there in forgiveness. God offers his presence. Oh, the idea of you experiencing his absence, even for just a moment. If just one of you right now just wonder, and you don't know if God is with you and God is for you, and whether or not you're going to be with God, oh, the idea of that breaks my heart for you. We want you to experience his presence. And the only reason why I and the rest of us have experienced his presence is because of his goodness and because of his son who left heaven and became one of us, lived among us, died for us, and rose again. We placed our faith in him, believing that he could forgive us of breaking all the rules that we broke. You're in a room full of rule breakers this morning. I know that's not the way probably any of us like to describe ourselves, but that's what we are. But you're also in a room full of many people that have been forgiven. And they're experiencing the presence of God, and we want the same for you. We invite you to Jesus. Let's pray.